None of the content on this or any episode of the Kratom Science Podcast, Kratom Science Journal Club, or on any page of KratomScience.com is intended, nor should it be considered medical claims or medical advice. This is the Kratom Science Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom. So we're going to do something new that is, um, there'll be a valuable podcast to do once a month, and that'll be covering the latest Kratom news and a little bit of the science that came out. Um, we usually do one of the latest science articles with uh, Dr. John. Kaylee works for Kratom Science, and she's been doing really good clips and videos about strains and whatnot for YouTube. Uh, see our YouTube channel. Just look up Kratom Science. Uh, there's actually another Kratom Science, but if you look up the one with the green and blue leaf, then you'll know it's us. So, welcome, Kaylee. Hello. Thank you. Happy to be here. Cool. Um, anyway, we're going to like go back and forth and read news stories mostly, and I think we have a one science article that we're going to read, but I think this will be pretty valuable in updating our listeners, and we're going to trade off reading the story, and then we each have uh, like one or two thoughts that we have about the story. Okay, this is the first news item. PA House passes bill banning the sale of Kratom to minors. And this is good news because nobody wants people under the age of 18 to use Kratom. It's an adult substance. But here you go. I'll read it. I should have gotten a PA source, but this one was a little... It uh, pissed me off a little bit, so I picked this one. Uh, It's from WKBN in Youngstown, Ohio, and it came out on June 28, 2022. A bill that would ban the sale of Kratom, a hallucinogenic drug, (laughs) to individuals under 18 passed through the Pennsylvania House of Representatives with a 197-3 vote on Monday. According to FDA, Kratom is a drug derived from a tropical tree from Southeast Asia. The leaves of this tree contain compounds that could cause hallucinatory effects, and the National Institute of of Drug Abuse, it's actually on drug abuse, said it produces opioid-like effects. Okay, so... Kratom doesn't produce hallucinatory effects. There was an article called Kratom-Induced Psychosis. This guy decided to stop all his medications and take Kratom, which was the dumb thing to do because he was on (laughs) adrenaline medications, he was on hormonal medications, and he basically went crazy, couldn't sleep, and was up for 10 days before he came to the doctor. If anybody that's up for 10 days for any reason is going to have psychosis just because he decided to only take Kratom. Um, And I also did one of the first articles I did around here uh, uh, when I wrote for Kratom Science about, well, this is almost four years ago now. There was a science article, actually, that, that listed hallucinations among the effects, and I traced it back to an article by Dr. McCurdy, who's like, the top Kratom scientist in the United Mm -hmm. States, and he was actually doing 
a a generalized article. This is like from 2004 on legal highs, and one of the legal highs was salvia divinorum. And like on YouTube years back, there's there's there was uh, kids taking videos themselves smoking mm-hmm. this stuff. It that does cause hallucinations, but yeah. kratom doesn't. It. it was very clear in the paper. So this this article that said it caused hallucina- hallucinations. Me and Dr. John call it the game of telephone. It goes back and back mm-hmm. and back and back and somebody made a mistake and uh, scientists don't do their homework sometimes just like everybody else it's it's like not a main point of their paper so they just kind of like shorthand it so create there's no evidence kratom causes hallucinations and kind of took a little more time this journalist uh, from WKBN in Youngstown, Ohio. He's not a Pennsylvania journalist. Another possibility is he might be confusing the terms psychoactive and psychedelic. Psychoactive means anything. Coffee's psychoactive because mm-hmm. it wakes us up. It does something to our brain that makes us wake up. Uh, psychedelic means you're tripping. Yeah, hallucinogenics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This journalist's name is Glowacki, I think. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll call him out. I don't care. It's, he's talking to her. <laughs> the three people who listen to this, it's not going to hurt his career. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't understand why he wouldn't, like, h- how he couldn't have gotten something more recent. Because there's definitely other stuff that you could find that actually tells you whether or not, you know, like, this it is something like that. And um, it's almost as if, like, the news station that had him write this article was just like, oh, you know what this is? Okay, yeah, cool, write it. And then he did no further um, research on it. Um, And I equated it to a Facebook status from someone I went to high school with because this is stuff I see all the time. Just sharing misinformation because they think they understand something and they really do not at all. (laughs) Yeah, 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 really. And, you know, on the news that you should think the news has some kind of standard but really it doesn't seem like a a lot especially local news Mm -hmm. i I think it's because their budgets are low these report like in their defense and trying to be sympathetic as a writer with these reporters they probably have to write so many articles per week they have google right there and they don't have a science background but however as a journalist you should want to dig into things and check yourself and it wouldn't take that long it really would have only taken me an hour to write a story like this even even at the beginning of writing about Pacratum. i mean of course it would take me a lot quicker now that i've researched it a lot yeah. but but really i mean if you just spend a little time to just dig in a little bit or, or try to contact one of the scientists and say, uh, does it cause hallucinations? No. But um, I'll go on and keep reading the story. Okay, this is from the story. Quote, as of right now, Kratom is not a controlled substance. This means anyone, regardless of age, is able to pers- purchase the drug. This is true. Um, while the Food and Drug Administration hasn't defined Kratom as a controlled substance, it is listed as a drug of concern, and some have said users have become addicted to the drug. It might not, it's listed as a drug of concern, but the way he wrote that, it seems like it's, the FDA calls it that, but that's mm-hmm. actually the DEA's job. The DEA decides what is and isn't a controlled substance. Um, so right now, after the 2016 pushback from the Kratom advocates, um, the DEA said, okay, we're not going to make it illegal, but we're going to call it a drug of 
concern, mm-hmm. not the FDA. Um, I, I feel like that's something that could have been easily cleared up for him, too, if he would have done just a little bit of research like journalists are supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. Like, it would have taken not any like any time at all. Just type in literally, what does the FDA do? What does the DEA do? It, it would have been so easy, but yeah, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> it says it's listed as a drug concern, but in the same sentence that he says FDA, so, so it goes on, officials from NIDA said there are no official uses, official uses from the FDA, but people reportedly use it to manage drug withdrawal symptoms, pain, and fatigue. So he got some of this right. I don't know what official uses means, though. Uh, but I, I think what he means is, as in there's no medical use uh, because it's yeah, not an approved like drug. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, Okay, so the article goes on. It is important to note that while Kratom may not be regulated by the FDA, NIDA said Kratom has a very low overdose fatality rate. They said for 2011 to 2017, 11 people died from Kratom, and only two of those deaths were associated with Kratom by itself. I have no idea where he got this number, (laughs) and the sentence doesn't really make sense. Um... 11 people died from Kratom, and only two were associated with Kratom by itself. The FDA's numbers are much higher. They would say, I I forget what they're up to now, of Kratom-related, which is Mm -hmm. actually, like, the paper I'm working on now is about liver toxicities and drug interactions, and Kratom actually does slow the metabolism, probably, of fentanyl, which is why most of these Kratom-related deaths are people that have also taken fentanyl, um, because Mm -hmm. it just, just, uh, you know, makes the, it just, it just blocks the fentanyl fentanyl from clearing metabolism so that's yeah yeah which is why i think everybody on the kratom side or they at least should say don't take it with other drugs even a lot of mm-hmm. even a lot of regular medications you have to be careful um and he only said two were associated with kratom by itself i think there's a little bit more than that actually i think the fda claims seven and might be that i think i remember you saying something about that in another one of the podcasts like when i've gone through and kind of worked on them a little bit yeah i'm i'm pretty sure i remember you touching base on that and the numbers were much different than what he um has attributed here and that alone just makes it like kind of solidifies it as one of those small town um facebook posts that um doesn't really make any sense <laughs> yeah or, or big city i'm from oh, yeah. well pittsburgh's a small city <laughs> but i'll show you all my friends too and cousins who i blocked <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and he actually lowballed those numbers. I think like those are actually low. I mean, so you know, mm-hmm. so if we're trying to gauge whether he's pro or anti kratom, I think he's trying to at least be balanced with uh, yeah. with misinformation going both ways. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so here we go with the article. Quote, the bill, if approved by the Senate, would ban the sale of the drug to minors and place a fine of between $100 and $500 for the first offense on any retailer that violates the law. The language in the original bill, I wrote an article about on Kratom Science, had a lot of, uh, a lot more rules than just restricting it to under 18. And uh, some of these fines seem a little low. I don't. If you sold alcohol to a minor, I don't think they would be that low. Although alcohol is probably a little bit more dangerous, but I don't think kids should be doing mm-hmm. any of this stuff. The, in the original bill, 
The language had uh, rules for labeling. No synthetic kratom should be in the bill. But but what happened, this guy Frankel, he actually... Said, you know, there's a lot of redundancy in there. Um, the or- the original bill said, well, it can't be adulterated with illegal drugs. Well, nothing can be. They're already illegal. <laughs> so it was written poorly. But I wish some of those things would be in there. Um, like it says, you know, it said it originally in the original bill, it said it couldn't be, it shouldn't be contaminated. It shouldn't have adulterants in it. The whole thing, and some of these bills, I've noticed, they talk about synthetic kratom, and there really isn't such thing as synthetic kratom yet. It hasn't been synthesized in the lab. I think maybe some of the lobbyists uh, didn't understand that, and and they wanted to just, I mean, it's okay that it's in there because it doesn't matter because it doesn't exist anyway, but then that gets into, you probably get into legal trouble of, some of the, I think uh, Tennessee, like in the early days, was one of the first to outlaw kratom because it lumped it in with uh, the bath salts and some of the stuff that is the oh, wow. synthetic. And it was mm-hmm. like kratom came around. That's why it has such a weird, I mean, it could be like a kombucha yeah. tea. Like kombucha has risks too. If you take too much of that, it'll probably hurt your liver. Kratom came along with being sold alongside a K2 spice, bath salts, and all. Bath salts are basically synthetic cathinones. Cathinone is cat, and that's that's a plant that's chewed by, um, I think, people in the Middle East or North Africa. I think it's North Africa. Um, it's kind of a stimulant, kind of like uh, cocaine or coffee. Um, but Kratom came along with those things, and people were getting uh, dangerous uh, side effects from uh, mm-hmm. synthetic bath salts even before people were taking uh, large amounts of kratom and, and getting uh, bad oh, yeah. effects from it. <laughs> In Tennessee, they said, oh, we're banning all these synthetic drugs, including kratom, but kratom isn't a synthetic. So some activists there got that overturned. And I've always wanted to contact them and have them on a show, but, uh, but yeah, so it's just written poorly, and I understand why that, that, uh, lawmaker wanted, Frankel wanted to, um, switch it, but at least in Pennsylvania we might, and it's only in the House, so it has to go to the Senate, and the governor has to sign it. It's probably, there's probably, I imagine nothing's gonna happen this year, because, Uh, Pennsylvania is a, I mean, especially with the Roe v. Wade thing, uh, people are focused on other stuff. Mm -hmm. If it'll pass, that'll be good, but, um, it seems like the enforcement is very, uh, low. Like, a hundred dollars for first defense if you sell Kratom to somebody that's under 18, that's, uh, pretty low. So I, I actually think the law should be stronger, but, um, it's at least, it's at least a first step, I'd say. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to evolve over time because, like, um, as you said, most likely they're not going to do anything about it right now because there are much bigger problems at hand. Um, but mm. I'm sure, like, as it kind of sits, um, they will revise it and kind of change things. I mean, I'm surprised it even went to the House and passed because mm-hmm. it, it sat there for a while in that health committee because I was going to go down to um, – because I'm on the West End. I was going to go down to um, – What's his name's office? Dan Deasy. He's he's my house rep, and it already passed. So, and I didn't even go down because I thought it was just gonna die in the committee. So I'm like, eh, I'll just go see him when there's something that's going on. But it actually passed, and I'm sure he voted for it. Only three people didn't vote for it. So, mm-hmm. 
but that's it's actually good that that uh, the Pennsylvania House is showing a willingness to regulate it, and and yeah. it's not quick to ban it. So hopefully we're safe in Pennsylvania for a while. So the next one that we have um, is by the Bangkok Post, covering the um, how the online kratom sales are okayed by Thailand's House. Mm-hmm. Thailand's House of Representatives has passed a revised kratom bill that will enable people to sell kratom-based products online. At present, people can sell kratom plants and leaves, but kratom-based goods, including food and drink, are not allowed to be sold. However, the sale of kratom and food that contains oh, that contains it will not be permitted to people aged under 18, pregnant women, and breastfeeding mothers. And that's that's literally how it's written. You read it, everything right, but it's like the translation. I should have uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> looked at that. Um, so Thailand just legalized uh, kratom. Uh, like last year and cannabis for medicinal purpose and I think cannabis for recreational and I spoke to um, Pascal Tanguay he's like an international drug policy expert he's originally he's French Canadian but he's lived in Thailand for the past 20 years and he's been studying these issues and he was telling me about how it's you know the weird laws they have it's not allowed to be sold like this not allowed to be sold like that what the article doesn't say what I don't know and what I should I should email him. I don't know if I did. My question is, will they be able to sell online internationally? Mm-hmm. Um, the article doesn't say it, but it's like a whole new avenue of sales. Like Americans, we get all of our kratom, and it's it's like 95% or whatever. Like some people might know a guy somewhere else that grows kratom. Uh, there's mm-hmm. like, oh, and there's also like domestic, uh, a couple of farms that probably sell um, fresh leaf uh there's this guy, Will and Walt, in Florida that have a big Kratom farm. And then uh, my friend Soren from West Virginia, mm-hmm. where Kaylee's from, everybody. Yep. <laughs> uh, um, he has he has a Kratom greenhouse in West Virginia. and uh, But it's like a whole nother market where, where we can get our Kratom from. And it's interesting to see if it'll be any different than the stuff that comes from Indonesia. What Pascal did say to me was... They're in it for the money. Like that's why they legalized mm-hmm. it, and I'm I'm sure they want to sell it for the international market. But yeah. I just don't think there's going to be the farms in place for a few years to feed the to compete with Indonesia. Um, I think right now they it's just mostly wild. It grows everywhere, and it's mostly people that uh, traditionally there that picked it off their trees in the in their backyard and it, and it's also it's also been like there was a section of thailand and i forget what it's called um there was like one region of thailand where it was actually legally protected because it was traditional because if it was um like international they would have made it a point to actually include that in the article yeah um just because if they want it you know if because they're doing it for the money, they would want everyone to know, you know, any potential buyers, hey, we're we're selling to you if it's legal where you are, please yeah. buy. Yeah, yeah. So. But I am seeing, like, guys, like, I don't know if this has happened to you yet on your social media, if you've <laughs> ever said the word Kratom anywhere, but well, since I, I do, you know, like, the Kratom Science mm-hmm. Facebook, and we get... Tons of people from Indonesia, like everybody that's involved in publicly talking about Kratom gets tons of people from Indonesia. Do you want to buy Kratom? Do you want to buy Kratom? And recently, <laughs> we've gotten a couple of people from, we started to get people trickling in from Thailand. Like they go into my 
like spam folder on Twitter, and every once in a while I'll check it, and it'll be like, ah, I'm a grower in Thailand. Do you want some cream? So I, it, everything about the kratom market is quasi legal anyway, both foreign and mm-hmm. domestic. <laughs> so they 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 there's probably guys trying to do it anyway. Oh yeah, and uh, get away with it. So, uh, you know, good luck getting it past the FDA. That's (laughs) the FDA (laughs) is legally allowed to seize kratom shipments at the border, and they use U.S. Marshals to to do so. And the only issue is U.S. Marshals have better shit to do than uh, seize kratom from from the border. Mm -hmm. But it's legal to buy and sell in within the border so it's like uh these laws need to be really but it looks like they're uh moving ahead there in thailand all right we'll go to the next one here i'm rambling too much here um (laughs) so next one was interesting to me because when i studied like traditional kratom use it it doesn't seem like it seems like it's more it's more of a coffee thing and, and people say it's been used ceremonially in some of these science articles and it says that but there's no real evidence of that. Um, I think Pascal found something from like 1615 that had a kratom plant on it and who knows if it was ceremonial or not. It's not mm-hmm. really it's not really a religious type of drug. I mean, I think it's it's mostly used for you know get up in the morning, get you going type of thing yeah. before you work and in the field. And I can't really see how you could use it ceremoniously. Mm-hmm. Like other things that, um, I mean, maybe, you know, in the right setting, um, I, I could guess perhaps you could. Um, but like the other things that have been, like, you know, that are 100% known to have been used ceremoniously, I, I could totally see, like um, cannabis, for example. Yeah, or peyote. Uh, since, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely stuff like that. <laughs> I think it's more like a coffee and donuts after after mm-hmm. mass thing. Like we had that we went to I went to Catholic church, but I, any church, you know, sometimes you have coffee yeah. and donuts at the at the reception hall after mass. But yeah, kratom's more like that. Uh, it's more like a coffee thing in those countries. But uh, here's this. This is another story. It's uh, from the nation Thailand. Uh, we have the nation in our country, but it's their Thailand version, I guess. It's from July first, twenty twenty two. All these are. Every time we do this, it's going to be hopefully from the past month. (laughs) Buddhist monks banned from using cannabis except as medicine. That's a headline, but it also includes Kratom. The Sangha Supreme Council, SSC, has banned Buddhist monks and novices from smoking or growing cannabis, but permitted them to use it to treat illness. This is in Thailand. I don't know if they're affiliated with the government, but it's a uh, council that oversees religious activities. The ban covers cannabis, hemp, and kratom, all of which have been legalized following the removal from the Public Health Ministry's narcotics list. The legalization of cannabis on June 9th led to concerns that monks and novices may start using the herb freely and even to grow the plants in temples. That'd be a cool Buddhist temple to visit. Um, <laughs> National Office of Buddhism spokesman... Sita Moonhog said the SSC is the governing body of Thailand's said. Oh, he said the thing that I said before. The SSC is the governing <laughs> body of Thailand's Buddhist order, serving as the ultimate authority on uh, holy holy matters. matters. Thank you. What is it? Yeah. 
Ecclesiastical. Ecclesiastical matters. Yeah, I haven't said that word since eighth grade. Uh, Explaining (laughs) the reason for the ban, Sita said that although the Buddha's teachings did not directly prohibit the use of cannabis, hemp, or kratom, the plants have impacts on the user's mental and nervous systems. As a result of those impacts, users could act in a way that violated monastic precepts. And I looked, I've studied Buddhism a little bit, read a couple books, you know, in the past few <laughs> years, decades. Um, I think Buddhists mainly, they they have this whole precept of the right mind, and they just want to keep their mind clear. Their whole thing is like, you can get everything from meditation that some people <laughs> get from drugs, and, and, and you just want to keep everything pure, and and meditation will help you deal with any of the anxieties and depressions and stuff that always come along because meditation is kind of like you treat all that all those bad thoughts as clouds and your brain is the sky and you just sit with it um Mm -hmm. yeah and and i even got like from wikipedia the quote most buddhists view the use and abuse of intoxicants to be a hindrance in the development Mm -hmm. of an enlightened mind so they're just not big on any psychoactive substances I felt like the fact that considering the article itself was wanting to focus on the use of cannabis, I just felt like the fact that they felt the need to even mention like how they um, were dealing with Kratom in that like it was just interesting because it felt like they were trying to equate the two. The first law that was big news was cannabis and Kratom are now legal for medicinal purposes. A year later or two years later, I forget what it was, they moved kratom and cannabis for uh i think recreational or people can grow Mm -hmm. them now so that's probably has something to do with it yeah i mean this like sangha supreme council it's seems like a religious slash political organization so they probably Mm -hmm. they probably said well now since these things are legal don't be growing them in church yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, I was raised Catholic, and I'm just no longer, haven't been for, you know, 20 years. But if they start growing weed in church, I might go back. I don't know. <laughs> It'll definitely change the atmosphere, like, completely. We always said alcohol in church, but only one sip. One sip in the middle of mm-hmm. Mass. And it didn't really help. That much didn't really help you deal with, uh, you know, the priest's brilliant uh, sermon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna shit on priests. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I get enough trolls as it is. Um, the next one that we have here is actually um, an article, like a journal article, uh, not not journal, article, a scholastic journal would probably be a better word. Yeah, um, uh, written by Doctor. Does she pronounce it Kirsten or Kirsten? Kirsten. Because. Okay, yeah, I've seen both, so I just want to make sure. Uh, yeah, by Dr. Kirsten Smith um, and a few other um, major... I don't know. Maybe it is industry. Kirsten. I don't know. I actually I went to Baltimore and had dinner with her, Her and, and me and my wife went to Baltimore, and I, I think I introduced her as Kirsten, and she didn't say anything, so... Okay, if she didn't say anything, maybe. Or maybe she just didn't even hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? That's, that's beside the point. Yeah. Uh, so the article we have here is focusing on a study that um, she conducted with a few other researchers um, titled, and she titled it Kratom Use as More Than Self-Treatment. And it was conducted back in May 2022, almost in just 20. 
Um, yeah. And there they found over 40 motivations um, for using Kratom among the 129 people that they polled. And here we have a little quote from the introduction to the study. Quote, in surveys, use is often attributed to self-treatment of chronic pain, fatigue, mental health, um, and like anxiety, depression, and or substance use disorder sy symptoms or goals of improving energy and mood. Use motivations with public health relevance amidst the broader opioid and polydrug crisis is the use of Kratom to reduce substitute, uh, reduce substitute for or abstain from licit or illicit opioids and possibly alcohol or amphetamine type stimulants. Existing surveys are limited by assessment of broad use motivations and insufficient information regarding temporal order of Kratom use initiation relative to other substances. Prior surveys have not asked whether decisions to try Kratom were influenced directly by shortfalls in existing medical treatments, such as difficulties accessing evidence-based SUD intervention, chronic pain management, or mental health care. Lastly, surveys have focused primarily on Kratom use and not discontinuation. This small cross-sectional survey was designed to expand information relative, oh, sorry, related to Kratom use in the U.S. and gather formative data needed for the development of subsequent studies. And here it says the number one motivation reported by 66.7%, so like it's pretty significantly over half of Kratom users was, quote, just to feel less crappy in general and improve quality of life. <laughs> yeah, and that was on the survey, too. They, <laughs> That's what I like about Dr. Smith. Uh, <laughs> uh, first of all, she went to federal prison for robbing a bank mm -hmm. when she was addicted to heroin. <laughs> and she admitted this on, a, on another podcast. She gave uh, Ethan Nadelman mm -hmm. that exclusive. I didn't know about the bank robbing thing. She didn't bring it up. <laughs> But she now, this is a National Institute on Drug Abuse study and where she works. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, in, in um, collaboration with um, some other researchers from, from different places, she is, they are trying to do more and more accurate surveys. They're about to conduct another one. And these things are so important to mm -hmm. bring to the scientists who just study how does it affect your brain and how does it work on the metabolism. And they look at addiction as a thing that's not really that complex. Um, and she, as a person who was addicted to heroin previously and has tattoos and went to prison and has life experience, her being in the scientists in the sciences is so valuable because she brings such a real world perspective to this. Oh yeah. And and finding out why people because hallucinating and getting high wasn't one of the, wasn't one of the listed answers. And I think and and um this just to feel less crappy in general that crappy was on this scientific survey that's what they asked people they gave them a list of a multiple choice and i think one of them was like getting high or something like that and oh, i don't think anybody or hardly anybody picked that one but just to feel less crappy in general and improve quality of life and that's totally why i use kratom and why my wife does and we hardly ever use it um, I, I'm not a daily user. Sometimes I do it three times a week, and that's like a crazy amount for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I like I don't have a lot of people probably say chronic pain and stuff like that. Um, but it's important to find these like real world reasons that people use these things and not just 
and not just like look at the blood tests and look at the metabolism, look at the pharmacology and, and, mm-hmm. and then just assign that. That's kind of, that's kind of how our approach to drugs has been. And then alongside the punitive, uh, if you have a drug problem, go to jail, uh, type of thing. So this is, it's really valuable work she's doing. I'm really privileged to know her and, and correspond with her as a source. And she'll send me these studies. Like they're not always available. You, you have to pay for them. Like you can get any study. I'm just telling this to anybody listening. If you look up a study and you just see the abstract and then it says full text, and then they say, you got to pay 40 bucks. You can just email one of the scientists and say, uh, can you send me this? And they will because they don't get money from uh, after it's published. They get money from maybe their university uh, for doing the work. Comparing, because uh, here you have talking about uh, contrasting the first report, just the words in general, like you can tell this is something that they're actually passionate about there. Um, yeah. They know what they're talking about. Um, and that that alone is extremely valuable, um, just like in conjunction with everything else, you can tell that she has been involved with it herself. And especially since she's so open with, you know, telling her story, because I know she's actually told her story. Because you, how many times have you had her on here? I feel like you've had her more than once. Twice. Yeah. Twice okay, on I the podcast. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've, in one of the ones that I've done the captioning for, I, I remember her, she's like, this is not, you know, I, am not, um, trying to hide anything from anybody. Everyone knows this. I will tell you again. Um, she's very open about her life. And I, I think for something like this, that's what you need. If people continue to read these and continue to push these up, I think that will be very good to help with further legislation. Exactly. <laughs> and that was an important point about, uh, the first thing we read, the guy's just trying to write a story about drugs. And the first scientist I ever had on, uh, Mark Swagger, I, I told him it was kind of like uh, drug horror fiction. Uh, like, it goes back to Reefer Madness. Uh, it sells... <laughs> I mean, there was a story I saw today about a lady who touched a dollar bill and passed out because she thought there was what? fentanyl on it. You And you can't get fentanyl exposure through the skin you can't have you could hold a pile of fentanyl in your hand and unless you breathe it in it's not going to infect you but there's a rumor going around that you can absorb fentanyl through the skin you can't unless it's a patch and the patch takes like 48 hours to work stories about kratom come out and it's just from people who are ignorant and they don't pay attention mm-hmm. to it and it's like these scientists it's that's why it's important to go on pubmed about any freaking issue that you want kratom uh covid abortion if you look up the science and just read the abstracts these scientists could be wrong about things and we me and dr john talk about that and he's like you know he has a PhD in, in neuroscience, mm-hmm. so I could ask him. And they could be wrong about things, but it, they're at least trying to do the work and yeah. pay attention to it. They're not just going with their gut or, you know, whatever they think or what their mommy and daddy told them. <laughs> um, it's, it's so important to read. The abstracts are the thing to read, abstracts or introductions. So, mm-hmm. so even if you don't understand the scientific terms these social science studies like this one and the and the study is uh kratom use as more than a self-treatment they are pretty easy to understand something i think some people need to also think about as well is 
because you said scientists can be wrong. People need to really realize that because a lot of people thinking specifically like with COVID and everything, a lot of people were angry because they were like, why are they changing everything now? You know, don't they know as if they don't understand that science is a process that takes time and it's a lot of research. Um, So I think it is very important that you mention that um, for anyone who, for whatever reason, though, I don't think anyone listening to this podcast, I hope people listening to this podcast would understand, you know, that science is a process and scientists can be wrong. Absolutely. And probably would have been bored a long time ago if they don't really understand that basic (laughs) thing. Um, We were in Baltimore and we hung out. She was like, I'm not pro or anti-Kratom. If I find out uh, Kratom is going to kill more people than it helps, I will absolutely put out a paper to, Mm -hmm. to... tell you that it's it's really looking at evidence it's observable evidence-based way of looking at things and it's we need that it's valuable it's essential really so that was the science one and this next one is so we had two that were like we had three that were like news reports so this one is from marijuana moment it's this dude kyle (laughs) yeager the guy who wrote this he's a good guy he and i have corresponded um, I asked him to be on the podcast, and I didn't hear back from him, Kyle. <laughs> but uh, no, that's okay. It's it, he seems he writes a shit ton. I mean, he's busy as hell. But uh, marijuana mm-hmm. moment is a great resource. I'll tell everybody that whether or not he decides to be on my podcast. But he does he does cover kratom issues when they come up. There was an article like this last year, and this is good news. House committee leaders tackle marijuana research, kratom, impaired driving, and more in new spending measures. So this is from Marijuana Moment, June 29th, 2022. House Appropriations Committee leaders have released yet another set of spending bill reports that touch on marijuana and other drug policy issues like kratom, with this latest batch focusing on a cannabis research barriers impaired driving, and preventing use by youth and pregnant people. Much of the report language centers on studying cannabis, including one section that reiterates the committee's ongoing concerns about barriers associated with investigating Schedule 1 drugs like marijuana that effectively limit the amount and type of research that can be conducted. And I've asked multiple scientists about this, and they're like, yeah, it's way harder to study um illegal drugs and is the study legal drugs which is one of the main reasons they should remain illegal or become illegal or become legal um while the report says it appreciates the national institute on drug abuse has submitted documentation outlining the research implications of strict scheduling of certain substances it notes there are still challenges such as the fact that scientists are still not able to access cannabis from dispensaries even though president joe biden signed an infrastructure bill last year that included provisions meant to promote such access so that's really important because Mm -hmm. the legal federal cannabis that's allowed to be studied is university of mississippi um and they grow really bad weed there. It's like dirt weed from the 60s. Uh, it's not the stuff that people are using today that's much better mm-hmm. just through the evolution of underground growing of weed. That's what everybody's smoking now. And uh, 
scientists should be able to absolutely get these things oh, yeah. and, and study them. Uh, mm-hmm. Notably, the report again talks about promoting research into Kratom, a plant that has been used as an opioid. That's the Kratom part. But do you have any thoughts on the cannabis part? Um, so that little, this little chunk that you have highlighted here, I, I think it's it's kind of surprising to me that there haven't been steps toward this because, you know, where we've been pushing for this legalization for so long, you'd think that they would want, you know, or like the people working in the dispensaries, you know, managing them and stuff, they would want this testing to take place so that we can have proper, 100% proper regulation, you know, to kind of match with what the I was going to say people on the streets. I guess, the, yeah, people on the streets are still getting stuff too. But um, stuff that they are federally administered maybe would be a good way to word it. The legalized stuff should definitely be um, tested and researched on stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it has to do with, like, labs have to get a DEA license to study drugs that are federally illegal. And even if they get that license, they can only get marijuana from this University of Mississippi farm that has really bad, mm-hmm. old, outdated marijuana that they continue to grow. And uh, I even talked about uh, Dr. McCurdy, the Kratom scientist, used to work at uh, Ole Miss, and uh, he, he worked uh, with cannabis and all kinds of these things uh, and he's like a medicinal chemist he even said yeah this stuff you know i don't know his direct quote so i shouldn't even said what he said but he even to the effect of yes it's hard to research stuff mm-hmm. and he was talking about in the context of dea licenses like i mean he'd been studying creative for that long and he said when they thought it was going to become illegal because you can study kratom anybody can study kratom because it's federally legal any scientist can go out and buy some uh get it from anywhere wherever they want and study it in a lab and submit a peer-reviewed paper on it there's so many cbd studies i have my google alerts stuff like something comes up on pubmed or in the news i get an email that says this is being studied well i get kratom there's a scientific study every couple of weeks uh, with CBDs now since hemp is federally legal. I get every day. I get a whole list of studies of stuff they're looking at CBD and particularly on, but they can't mm-hmm. do marijuana with THC in it because it's not federally legal. And once it is, that'll it'll be wide open for you know benefits, mm-hmm. harms, uh, people who shouldn't use it, people who should. So it's like, yeah, I mean, we got to promote the sciences here, and it just does, doesn't make sense. Anybody in the America that wants to smoke weed can get it, you know, yeah. and uh, along with every other illegal drug, pretty much. So this article also talks about Kratom. So notably, the report again talks about promoting research into Kratom, a plant that has been used as an opioid alternative, as well as therapeutic tool in combating withdrawal, withdrawal symptoms, given the potential potential promising results of Kratom, the committee is recommending human clinical trials to further explore the plant as a treatment option. So this is basically how the House of Representatives is going to decide where they're going to allocate money for their budget. I should have said that earlier. They're making, putting out a report that says, this is where we want to spend our money this year. Last year, the year before, they gave $7 million to the University of Florida to study Kratom, which was awesome. And mm-hmm. and that came directly from NIDA. So the House of Representatives is saying, hey, NIDA and National Institute of Health, 
here's where you should spend your money. So here's what the report says. This is from the House of Representatives under Kratom. The committee recognizes that NIH and NIDA-funded research has contributed to the continued understanding of the health impacts of Kratom, including its constituent compounds, mitragynine and 7-hydroxy mitragynine or mitragynine. Uh, no, we're never going to decide on how to pronounce these things. Uh, the committee is aware of the potential promising results of Kratom for acute and chronic pain patients who seek safer alternatives to sometimes dangerously addictive and potentially deadly prescription opioids and of research investigating the use of Kratom's constituent compounds for opioid use disorder. The committee acknowledges NIDA's support of preclinical research on the toxicology of mitragynine, which will enable f- future studies of its safety um, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Tolerability <laughs> and clinical pharmacokinetics in humans. The committee also urges NIDA to consider... I could, I could have edited this. Uh, the committee also <laughs> urges NIDA to consider... Well, I'll know for next time. Uh, a human clinical trial on its therapeutic effects to treat opioid use disorder, especially in light of the increases in overdose death... During COVID-19, the committee commends NIDA for funding studies on Kratom based on promising results that unadulterated Kratom may provide help for some Americans struggling with addictions given its analgesic and less addictive properties as compared to opioids. That's great that they're getting this committee, this House committee is getting the message. And that's that's (laughs) no... I mean, I always... The politics of trying to get laws passed are messy, and I'll always point out how messy it is. But uh, th- that is due in part to the lobbyists and the American Creative Association mm-hmm. pushing this narrative and us as a creative community spending our way into that into that lobbying space, which is a shame that it has to be like that. But yeah. But at least they're listening and and it goes along with the science too but more importantly nida is promoting the science of kratom for most people it looks like it's helping them so it's good news for continued legality it's similar to uh, a statement they made last year i remember writing about it last year and and hopefully it means it'll be more um kratom funding down the pipe the last two years, they've been really fo- they've tried to focus on it. Um, I do think that depend, especially depending on how the outcome of the research that they've been funding, uh, it definitely looks pretty good. Hell yeah! What did you guys think of that? I thought that was cool. We're gonna be doing this once a month. Kaylee did a great job. She's from West by God, Virginia. Kaylee just graduated from the University of Pittsburgh with a film degree, so there's no way we're not gonna be doing some video element of this podcast at least and put some shit on YouTube, bringing you guys a kratom news update. The music is rising. The song is Memories of Thailand. Kratom Science Podcast is written and produced by me brian gallagher for kratomscience.com take care